God bless you, Betty. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. Well, uh, man, good morning on this beautiful day, church family, and happy anniversary. Amen? Amen. Boy, I'm happy to be here. I am so excited about the privilege of being able to deliver God's message um, to each of your hearts. You know, it'll be next month, now in May, next month in May, it would be four years uh, since I stepped away and preached my last sermon here as your pastor, four years ago, uh, next month. Hard to believe. You know, so many changes have occurred uh, just in these past four years, incredible changes, all kinds of changes. But you know why I'm glad? Man, I'm glad today that there are some things that don't change. Our Lord doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And dear friend, God's word never changes. It's as powerful and as true as it's always been. You know, before I uh, pray and before we get into the word, into the message here today, I want to take an opportunity to thank so many of you uh, over these past several years, uh, those who have prayed for and supported uh, Lentini Outreach Ministries, uh, what I'm currently involved in now, Thank you so very much. God bless you. And one more thing. I am so proud of you, proud of the leadership, proud of the deacons, proud of those of you in positions of leadership that have stayed and remained faithful here in some difficult and challenging days. My prayer this morning is that uh, in this very important message is that it may encourage your hearts and strengthen you because what you're going to hear this morning, listen now, it may be one of the most meaningful, most important messages that you're going to hear uh, concerning our walk with God in our Christian life. So join me in prayer, if you would, please. Let's ask God's blessing right now on his holy writ, the Word of God. Heavenly Father, with grateful uh, hearts here and gratitude for this great salvation that you've given to us. Father, we ask right now, as you so mightily inhabited the praise of your people in song and in music, now, Father, through the proclamation of your word, minister to our hearts, including this guy up here that's delivering the message, Lord, that my own heart will be ministered by the very words from your holy book, for this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, folks, the title of the message this morning is Living in the Awareness of the Presence of God. Think about that. In fact, let's say that together. Living in awareness of the presence of God. Now, what I mean about awareness is that we are conscious throughout our days, day in, day out, that wherever we go, He goes. You see, folks, our body, if you're a believer now, if you're a born-again, bona fide child of God, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means that the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God, lives in your body. Uh, but how many, of our, how many of us here are aware of that on an ongoing basis? I think that most of us, if you, I'm, I'm sure every Christian would acknowledge in theory that, that that's true. But how many of us actually live that out day by day and throughout our days, constantly aware of the presence of God in our life? There is a principle I want to share with you this morning in the minutes that we have. And I pray God will bless you as he's blessed me as I become increasingly aware of this principle. And that is the principle of abiding. 
the principle of abiding. If you have your Bibles, it's right there, and uh, many of you, I'm sure, good Bible students know this. In John chapter 15, would you stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? John 15, beginning in verse 1. Listen carefully to what Paul says. Now, let me preface this before I read that in chapter 14, in the closing verses of the previous chapter, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, now listen, I'm not going to be with you physically here that much longer. I'll be going away. And he turns right around and says, but I'm going to be coming to you. And then here in chapter 15, he shares these words. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit He removes and prunes every branch that produces fruit so it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. For just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Would you say that with me, please? Jesus said, because you can do, what's the word? Something? A little bit? Absolutely nothing. Turn to your neighbor and say, absolutely nothing. Nothing. You may be seated. You know, uh, we lost a real giant of the faith. Uh, Here this past week, a few days ago, Dr. Charles Stanley, longtime pastor over a half a century, pastoring the great First Baptist Church of Atlanta, Georgia, went home for his great reward. Man, I love the teachings of Dr. Charles Stanley. You know, back in the 80s, um, when I was pastoring down in South Florida there in West Palm Beach, our church had a Christian school, so every morning Marilyn was a teacher in that school, so she would go on ahead of me, and my job was to get the kids all ready. She would do most of it, but to make sure that I got them, drove them, got them on time for school at Lake Park Baptist School. And it just so happened that every time I'd get the kids in the car, I'd turn on that Christian radio, and it was Dr. Charles Stanley on the radio, rightly dividing the Word of God. What a blessing! That was to my heart, as millions of people have been blessed by that uh, incredible giant of our faith. When his book, one of the books that I I bought uh, way back then, that Charles had written is entitled, The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. And in that book, he talks about this very principle of abiding. I believe it's on the screen there. Uh, Let me just say it in quote. He said, Jesus makes a clear delineation between the vine and the branch. The two are not the same. He's the vine, we're the branches. The two are joined, but they're not one. The common denominator in nature is the sap. The sap is the life of the vine and its branches. Cut off the flow of the sap to the branch, and it slowly withers and dies. As the branch draws its life from the vine, so we draw our life from Christ. To abide in Christ is to draw upon his life. His life is made available through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The abiding presence of the Holy Spirit is the life of Christ in us. Powerful words, powerful words. I mean, think about this, folks. 
That sap is traveling up through that vine, okay, that life, and literally into those branches. Think about this. The branch cannot produce fruit. It doesn't produce fruit. It's simply what? It abides. The word abide means remains, stays connected, drawing constantly from the flow of the sap that gives it life and produces the fruit that we so enjoy. And he parallels that, this agricultural illustration, okay, example, to our life in Christ. Think about this. The Holy Spirit of God living in your body, if you're a born-again friend and you're here this morning listening to this message, it's the sap that is the Holy Spirit is the sap. It is the life that flows through, flow through our master Jesus into our lives, okay? We simply have to stay connected in right fellowship to receive the blessing of the flow of the Holy Spirit working through us. Listen now, when you and I were born again, what happened when we were born again? When we were born again and we confessed for the very first time uh, in childlike faith, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you died on that cross for my sins. Uh, I I repent, uh, Lord, of my sinfulness. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. What happened when when that occurred? I'll tell you what happened, friend. All and every part of the Holy Spirit came inside of your body. He came into the home of your heart. And uh, he's there permanently and not going anywhere, friend. He's there not only for the saving aspect of our lives, but for the sustaining aspect of our life. You know, one of the biggest problems we have, and I'm guilty of this. In fact, let me just say this right now and get it out in the open here uh, in true vulnerability. I want you to know that what I'm sharing with you here this morning, this principle of abiding, I have failed many, many times throughout my journey, uh, 45, whatever years, 46 years almost, of serving and living uh, as a child of God, even pastoring, even serving here while serving here in this church. It is so easy sometimes, though we know this principle in theory, in theory, it's so easy to forget to apply this principle, to stay connected, okay? Uh, That is in fellowship. We're talking about fellowship. What breaks our fellowship with the Lord? Well, sin does. And how do we end up sinning as believers? When we get out of fellowship with the Lord, when we forget to lean on Him. When Jesus told His disciples, hey guys, listen, physically, I won't be here much longer. There in chapter 15, uh, I'm going to be gone physically, but I want you here in chapter 15, he's saying, but you need to be dependent upon me even more, even more. You know, I'm physically with you now, I'm going to be gone, but you need to be, be dependent on me, and here's how you do it. Abide in that vine. Stay connected with me. When Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age, what was he saying? He was saying, I may be gone physically, you may not see me, but friend, I am with you. And how's that? Through the presence of the Holy Spirit that we receive when we're born again. He's alive, he's living, his life is in us. And all we've got to do is stay stay connected. You know, it's like when you get on a phone call, you know, on your cell phone or whatever. You know, when you're finished, you want to click that button. You know, you're done with the call, kick it off. We do the same thing. We have a tendency, many, many times, often, of compartmentalizing our life. You know what I mean by compartmentalizing? You know, to go ahead and function, okay, effectively, and I've done it. I'm sure most of you in here do it to some degree. 
we think about, okay, you know, I have my spiritual time with the Lord, Sunday and Wednesday, that's my spiritual time. I'm plugged in then, fellowship with the believers. And then, uh, you know, when Monday morning comes, it's business as usual. It's almost as if we're saying, okay, God, man, really enjoy being with you, but now it's time for work. We put that Bible up on the shelf and don't touch it again till the next week or if you even come on Wednesday, maybe on a Wednesday. And it's like we click off, we break fellowship, we sever the connection with the Lord in terms of our fellowship with Him. We don't abide. We're not abiding at that point. So what happens? We're attempting to live life, the Christian life, in our own power. Now we're born again, we're saved, we have all the Holy Spirit inside of us, but we're failing at that moment to appropriate. What does it mean to appropriate? To draw, to, to receive what's ours, what's there for us. We fail to do it when we hang up on the Lord, you know? Like, hey, God, man, really enjoy the prayer time with you. Even if you have a prayer time every morning, I hope you do. I hope you have that quiet time with your Bible reading and, and that time with the Lord where you can talk to him, open up to him. But friend, you know what happens to many of us? We think that, okay, that's my spiritual time. And we hang the, the connection up. We hang the phone up, all right? It's if, okay, it was really good. Now, Lord, I'm off to work. And we forget about the fact we believe it in theory, but instead of practicing that abiding principle, it's as if we hang the phone up and we say, okay, I can take it from here. You know, I often uh, use the illustration I know here many times about your heart. Let's say, you know, think about your heart being like a, a house. When Christ came in, you open up the door, friend, if you were truly born again, you invited him in to your heart. But if the heart is like a house, where did he go? He came into the living room of your heart. All right? There's a lot of other rooms in the heart. There's the bedroom, kitchen, bathroom, basement, attic, okay, your office area. And see, salvation, conversion is him coming in. You got all of them, friend. You don't need another, you know, uh, dispensation of the Holy Spirit, like getting more of him. No, no, no. When you got saved, you got all the Holy Spirit. But here's the problem. You got all the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God in your body. I do too but he doesn't necessarily have all of us. Can I get a witness? We got all of him, but he may not have all. Hey, listen, after salvation, what's, what's the process? It's called sanctification. And that is the process of releasing, if I may, using the same visual, giving, turning over the keys, every other key to every other door in the house of our heart. But what a lot of folks do, they hold on to the keys, right? Uh, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to stay in control, man. I mean, uh, you know, not my bedroom. Come on now, Lord. You know, my, my sexual life, intimacy life, not the kitchen where I'm cooking up things for the future. No, no, I don't want to deal with those unresolved, uh, unforgivable, unforgiving uh, issues with people of my past that I, I've stuffed down in a, in a box down in the basement or the attic. I'm going to hold on to those keys. Friend, what happens when we do that? When we do that, we break connection. We break fellowship with God. It's like saying without us even being conscious of it, okay? Okay, Lord, from this point forward, Monday morning, like I said with the illustration, I'm going to kind of put the Bible up here. Thank you. Good devotion. I feel good. Now I can handle it from here. You may not say that, but friend, when we're not aware, going back to this issue of being aware, conscious of the very presence of the Lord, don't you understand? Wherever we go, God goes. Whatever we see, God sees. Whatever we say, okay, in jest, 
uh, thinking we're all by ourselves, or whatever we're thinking, God knows it. He is with us always. So the key to victory, I believe this is the key to the victorious life. My friend, when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, what was he talking about? A full and meaningful life. You're not, you and I will never have and never know that kind of joy unless we stay connected to God in unbroken fellowship, that we don't hang up on him. Now, there's a perfect example of what I'm talking about, and that's found in the book of Acts. If you got your Bibles with you, it'll be on the screen if you don't. But turn, if you would please, to Acts chapter 8. And uh, we're going to be looking at a man who we can learn a whole lot from in terms of the, an example of someone who abided, stayed connected to the Lord God Almighty. This man's name was Philip. Now, we first meet Philip way back in, uh, uh, in chapter 6, where the body of Christ, the assembly, the church in Jerusalem, was asked by the apostles to go ahead and select seven men from among them who were filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. There was Stephen, who was the first martyr of the church, but right next to, or right to following Stephen's name, if you look in that chapter, is Philip. He was one of those seven. Uh, he was entrusted with those other men to handle the administrative responsibilities uh, of the body of Christ there in Jerusalem. Uh, he was full of the Spirit, the Bible says, full of wisdom. Well, later on, uh, after the death of the first martyr, Stephen, when Stephen was stoned to death, the first martyr of the church, uh, right then, they said on that day, persecution broke out. And uh, Saul, who later became Paul the Apostle, was going door by door, arresting believers, dragging them off to prison. And the Bible says when the persecution broke out, all the other disciples scattered except the apostles, who remained to go ahead and take care of those in the church in Jerusalem. Philip, the Bible says, went down to Samaria, and he began to preach the word of God with boldness and power. Through signs and wonders, people got saved. Demons were cast out. Folks were healed. Uh, Philip, rather, was a mighty, mighty servant of God. God was using Philip mightily, and we're going to pick it up right now in verse 26 of chapter 8. And here's the key. We're going to see something right here on this principle of abiding that I believe we can learn a whole lot here from uh, Brother Philip. The Bible says, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Now notice that. The angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. That is a desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He came to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot and on the way home reading the prophet of Isaiah aloud. And the spirit told Philip, notice now, the spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard them reading from the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before his shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. Then the eunuch replied to Philip, I ask you, who is this prophet saying this about himself or another prophet? So Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning from that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, he came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water here. 
What would keep me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may, he replied. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he was baptized. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but he went home rejoicing. Wow. Give you a little side note, a little uh, something you may not know. When I went to Africa uh, in Ethiopia, I spoke to some of the folks that were there. Do you realize that the Orthodox Church, the Christian Orthodox Church in Ethiopia, traced their their history back to this passage? <laughs> they do, right here to this conversion of this man. God had planned it out exactly what He wanted to do with Philip. I mean, think about this. Philip had to have an obedient spirit. There are two things here that we can learn from Philip. Number one, he was obedient. And number two, he was prepared. I mean, think about this. Here's Philip having this great revival uh, in Samaria. Man, folks are being saved. He's seen the power of God moving. So God calls him away from all of that. Now, in the flesh, had Philip been walking in the flesh, he would have thought, oh, man, I, I need to stay here, Lord. You know, God, you're using me in such a powerful way. But the Lord called him and says, leave, go, go here, go down to the desert road. And the Bible says Philip obeyed. Two things here we need to see. Number one, Philip was in tune to the voice of God. My friend, do you realize when we abide in the Lord, the more fellowship we have with God, the more we're remaining in fellowship with him, the more we're able, listen very carefully now, listen, the more we're able to discern the voice of God. You know, there's a lot of believers who don't have a strong prayer life, they find it difficult sometimes distinguishing between God's voice and the voice of the adversary. That can happen when we're not, when our prayer life fails. Friend, when our fellowship with the Lord is broken, it is the worst possible place we can be as a believer. But Philip certainly must have been attuned and ready to obey the voice of God. Now, he certainly knew scripture. He sat at the feet of the apostles. You know, he knew exactly theologically where he stood in confidence on the gospel. And yet he was obedient to the voice of God in his life. Secondly, notice he was prepared. When he got there, I mean, the Spirit of the Lord literally said, okay, go to the chariot. Now, he didn't know where he's going. He didn't know who, who he's going to be talking to. He could have no earthly idea the influence that that witness that God was leading him to would end up having, not only on that man, but obviously in Ethiopia itself, the country. <laughs> but God knew. God was ready to pull, watch us now, pull a tool out of his toolbox. That was Philip. That's what we are, by the way. Did you know that? <laughs> we are simply tools in the toolbox of God. And if we make ourselves available, as Philip did, notice this great opportunity. Philip started with the scripture that the Ethiopian was reading from the book of Isaiah. You know, some folks said, well, how did he get that book? Well, remember now, this was a wealthy individual. He was in charge of the entire treasury of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. He had money. He was probably in Jerusalem, may have been there on the day of Pentecost, probably purchased a scroll from some rabbis, okay, with a great deal of money and was searching himself. He's what our missionaries on the mission field call, they call folks like that, God fears, you know, people that fear God, that truly are seeking God. So he invites Philip up, Philip familiar with the word of God, not only the Old Testament, 
but the teachings of the apostle, was able to start right at that scripture and share the good news of the gospel and lead him to Christ. You know, my challenge would be right now, two things. Friend, if you are a bona fide child of God, do you know you have a testimony? You've got something to share. You said, well, I don't know the scripture that well, and I feel uncomfortable. I'm a little nervous, uh, you know, to actually share the gospel with someone. You've got a story to tell. If you're a child of God, you've been transformed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, sacrificed at Calvary for you. You've got a story to tell. You know, right now, there is such a hunger for the Lord. I know you're all familiar with uh, what's happened up at Asbury uh, University and the great revival that broke out with the students. Do you realize that happened 50 years prior to that at that same school? I spoke there uh, at the Asbury Seminary and uh, shared my testimony years ago and would hear the stories of the students uh, and what took place back in 1969, I believe it was. And then here, just recently, at that same place, I guess God trusted the stewardship and care of the leadership for such a revival to break out. That, by the way, is a theologically, is a Methodist holiness denominational uh, school. I don't know if you knew that. And uh, when that revival broke, uh, my, friend, my friend Tom Bowen, he was my student minister in West Palm, he just moved up there. He said, I called him when it was all going on. He said, Ron, you won't believe it. Some 10,000 people from all over the country and the world have left their places to converge in little Wilmore, Kentucky. The population of Wilmore is only 6,000. 10,000 people converge on that little town. Why? Because they wanted to get near where the Spirit of God was hot and moving. Folks, these are Generation Z young people we're talking about. This is behind them, be coming up, those coming up behind the millennial generation. They are hungry from the Lord. You know, when we talk about the pendulum swinging back and forth, right? I think it swung so far in the last few decades to the left that it hit a brick wall. And I think there is a hunger now. I've seen it with my own eyes, even here in Pensacola. There is a hunger that people have right now, a spiritual hunger deep down inside to fill this emptiness and this void in their heart. I challenge you to go ahead and on this principle of abiding, make a commitment. Lord, I have tried to live life in my own flesh. I didn't realize it, not even conscious of it, but I haven't leaned on you. Jesus wanted his disciples to depend on him, to lean on him, to realize he is going where they go. He is with us always. And just a prayer away from it. It's not like a constant, like when you finish your prayer time in the morning, it's just constantly talking, you know, and never stopping praying. But what it is, it's the awareness of the fact that uh, I'm inviting God to join me in the beginning of my day. Lord, go out with me right now. I've got things to go, people to see. But Heavenly Father, you're with me. Give me the wisdom I need. Speak to my heart. I'm going to listen intently for your voice. And uh, Lord, I'll go and do whatever you want me to do I'll be whatever you want me to be. Friend, when we start a day like that, and, and God knows he has our availability, I'm telling you, dear friend, the experiences that I've had walking with the Lord like that, he will use you. He will powerfully reach down and touch your life and work through you like he did for Philip. Again, Philip had no idea where he was going. God did. He had no idea who he'd be talking to and the impact of his witness, but God did. He was way ahead of him. And friend, he's way ahead of you and I. He's way ahead of you and I. Don't think for a moment 
<laughs> you know, like this, uh, in this uncertainty you might have of the future. I want you to know that our Heavenly Father has it all under His control. Amen? I've had people come up to me and, and they literally said, you know, uh, I believe it may have been true for that time, uh, Pastor Ron, but I don't think God speaks anymore. I mean, isn't that dangerous theology to think that God still speaks? I mean, He speaks through His Word, right? He doesn't speak anymore audibly to anybody. Well, he didn't say that uh, he was speaking audibly to Philip. Dear friend, he was, he was already living inside of Philip's body as he lives in your body and my body. He has access to our thoughts, all right? God spoke clearly. I want to show you a verse of Scripture uh, that just drives this point home, okay? Back in uh, the Gospel of John, in chapter 16, I believe this is on the screen, in verse 12. Jesus said to his, uh, his apostles, now this is after the teaching in John 15 on abiding. He said, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now watch this, well, read carefully now. For he will not speak, what's that word? What's the word? He will not what? Speak of his own, but he will do what? Speak, he will speak. Whatever he hears, he will also what he do will do what declare to you. Don't tell me, dear friend, that God doesn't speak today. When we have the word of God, certainly we have God's truth right here, and the Spirit of God will never do anything or say anything to us that will take away or uh, in any way contradict what we have written in His Word. But here's what the Holy Spirit does. Those of you that are believers a long time, I think you know this. The Holy Spirit living in us will illuminate. He illuminates what is written in the Bible. That's why when a lost people, a lost man or woman reads the Bible, it does nothing for them. They said, this is a bunch of junk and put it down because they don't have the Spirit of God inside of them. But for the believer, when you pick up the Word of God and you ask the Lord to speak to your heart, dear friend, you know what he'll do? He will illuminate. The word is illumination. He'll let the Spirit, uh, or rather, he'll let the Word of God become alive in your heart. He'll give you guidance on how to apply the Word of God to circumstances that we are facing today that weren't around 2,000 years ago, obviously, okay? Times have changed. But the principles of the Word of God, like this principle I'm teaching right now, uh, the abiding principle of abiding, staying connected to our Lord, the Spirit of God will speak clearly to us, give us the wisdom we need, guide us literally to opportunities. I can't tell you the numerous opportunities I've had through the years uh, where the Lord would say, okay, you need to go to that person and speak, or you need to stop for a moment and talk to this individual. How many of you had things like that, times like that where God, certainly you heard God's voice and you've done it. I'm going to give you a, a closing story that happened right here while pastoring Motor Grove Baptist Church. And I'll close on this one because it kind of brings everything, uh, this whole principle, uh, I think, uh, right to our hearts. Back in 2013, a guy from the International Mission Board uh, gave me a call. It's a friend that Merrill and I knew from West Palm Beach, Florida. He was on staff at that time at First Baptist in downtown West Palm. And his name is Ken Winter. Ken was now the public relations guy for the International Mission Board. He called me and said, Ron, I want to come talk to you. So he said, I'm in town. I want to see you. So he came over. I thought he wanted to see the ministry and things that we were doing here. But he said, Ron, I want you to uh, go on a mission trip. You know, our first uh, black president of the Southern Baptist Convention, he's never been out of the country. 
And we're forming an international team uh, to go to Africa. And Fred's going to, uh, uh, I'll be with you, but Fred's going to lead that team. I want you to be a part of that. I couldn't believe it, man. I thought, wow, you know, what an opportunity, you know? And this uh, team was made up of seven people. Uh, there was the guy from the International Mission Board. There were two uh, black guys. That's Fred, another black pastor from uh, up north, I think in New Jersey, I believe. There was a, a Korean pastor from the largest Korean SBC church in the convention. There was a Chinese pastor from Los Angeles, California. And there was an Hispanic pastor from a large, huge Hispanic church in Houston, Texas. I was the token white guy. I was the white guy. Isn't that funny? I was the white guy on that team. And uh, so, you know, I, I was so excited about being able to go. And we got over there, and everybody wanted to see Fred. They all wanted to meet Dr. Fred Luter. And I was excited about meeting him. But before we left on that trip, he gave us a book to read and called The Insanity of, of God was the title of the book. He said, you got to read this before we go to Africa. And so I read that book, and I told Marilyn, I said, you know, Marilyn, I was telling my wife, I, um, I just don't want to go like a tourist, you know? I want God to really use me. I want to really be used by the Lord. And we got over there, and uh, after a few days, uh, we were waiting in an airport to catch a plane in the capital city of uh, Addis Ababa. I believe I, I may not be pronouncing that right. Addis Ababa was the capital city there in Ethiopia. So we're waiting to board this plane, and a guy walks in uh, to the airport terminal and says, hey, listen. Now, if I, as I share this story, I know many of you might remember what I'm about to say. But the guy walks in the airport and says, listen, no one's going anywhere. This plane's got problems, and we may be here for a couple hours. So everybody's going, oh, man, because there was no air conditioning. It was getting hot in that terminal. So the Hispanic pastor from uh, Houston, I, I said, hey, brother, let's go outside. We'll step outside here. Uh, he wanted to hear my testimony. So we get outside the door. And, uh, you know, I, and I'm talking, sharing my testimony. My wife always says, boy, your voice is so loud. But <laughs> I'm talking away, describing what God was, you know, had done in my life. And leaning over about six feet away from us was this huge, I mean big, Ethiopian. This guy was about six foot six, very tall for an Ethiopian, a good looking guy. And he's leaning against the thing like this, staring at me. So I'm talking away, and just as I was finishing, this tall Ethiopian guy, his name is Reuben, I found out later on, he walks up to him and he says, brother, something like this, brother, I heard you speaking. I'm also a believer in Christ. And this guy went on to talk to me a little bit about the fact that, you know, though he believes he's really, I guess the word we, we would use, backslidden. I mean, he's really out of fellowship. He said, I, I'm with these people over here. And he points to a group of uh, folks, Caucasian uh, men and women. He said, we're all with the Jack Daniels Bottle Company out of uh, London, England. And we're over here doing some sales. And I'm from Addis Ababa, from the capital. And then he gets into this thing about the fact that my mother is a Orthodox Christian and my father is a Muslim. But I'm really upset with the Orthodox. They've hidden the gospel away from our people. And he was just grumbling and complaining. Then he started to get on Africa. And he was all upset about Africa being so divided. He says, the people need to be united. And he's complaining. And suddenly, while he's talking, the Holy Spirit spoke to my mind. He said, I need to, I need to share with this guy. I need to be direct. And so these words started coming out of my mouth. And basically, three things is what I honed in on. Number one, I said, Brother Reuben, I said, you know, I mean, you're, you speak English really good. You're a tall, very charismatic kind of guy. 
I mean, why don't you quit that Jack Battles, Daniel's Bottle Company, brother, and get with some strong evangelical Christians in your capital city. God could use you greatly, you know, instead of complaining about it. God can use you, man. And then he was telling, talking to me about running around with women over in London, getting drunk. And I said, you need to quit that company and you need to quit running around with all these different ladies and quit drinking. You need to find a good Christian wife. And I started bragging about my wife, Marilyn, and all of our years together. And I said, you need to get a good Christian woman in your life. Anyways, I was going on and on. And finally, uh, somebody called in from the inside. Hey, uh, the group's getting, to, getting together. Come on in. So I, I said a quick prayer with Reuben. And by the way, the whole time I was sharing, this guy's face got real serious. I mean, real serious. He didn't say a word, friend. So I go on in and start walking inside to go see Fred and the group that we were with. And I turn around. This big old dude followed me. He was right on my tail. Inside, I turn around. I go, whoa, you know. <laughs> and he went like this. He took his finger. Watch this, folks. Listen now. Brother! The words that just came out of your mouth, and he, and he emphasizes the exact words that just came out of your mouth. God spoke to me in London, England, in a motel room in the morning when I was getting up after a hangover. He says, brother, I can't believe the exact words and tears are streaming down this guy's face. I mean, he was really emotionally upset. And so we laid, you know, we got in a circle, started praying for this guy. And, uh, and, you know, he's crying. And the people that he was with from that year, the Europeans, from the Jack Tattles Bottle Company, they're over there on the other side of the trouble going like this. What's going on? You know, they're going like that. They'd see, they saw something was wrong. That's not the end of the story. Are you ready for this? The Chinese pastor that was on our team, there was another Chinese man waiting to board that plane. He got injured somehow, fell down, and he only, only spoke Chinese. But it just happened to be the Chinese that our Chinese pastor spoke. He went over there, ministered to the guy, prayed over him, and, and shared the gospel. Not done yet. The Korean pastor, there was a 26-year-old young Korean girl on, uh, boarding, you know, that was going to board that plane. He found her, connected, shared the gospel, and led the girl to Christ. All this was happening while I was with the Ethiopian guy. So anyways, the, uh, the, the guy the, from the International Mission Board, he's looking at the itinerary. He was all upset because we're running late and we're going to miss this group and that group of missionaries. And then when he heard all this stuff, he took the, he took the itinerary and went like this. <laughs> he flipped the thing on the ground, you know? And I mean, it was, what, and that whole thing, the whole episode of what happened there, they went ahead, the, the camera people that were with us recording all this, went ahead and shared this. Fred shared it, Dr. Luter, at the Southern Baptist Convention that convened later that year and told that story. I mean, incredible, but that's not all. You remember Paul Harvey, right? What did Paul Harvey always, always say? Now the rest of the story. How many of you are here and remember that story? Do you remember what happened the year after? Tony, you remember, right? A year later, a year later, I'm preparing uh, for the message. It was on a Saturday. I'm preparing to come here and preach, okay? So I'm working on my message, and suddenly I pick up my daughter. My daughter gave me a diary uh, to write. You know, Grandpa. You want me Grandpa to put all reflection for the grandkids. I got three of them. And so I open it up, and I had forgotten that Reuben had given me his telephone number on a little sheet of paper. When I got back, I just shoved it in that diary and forgot about it. 
So there's a little paper with his number. I said, I'm going to try to call this guy. Just give it a shot. Mind you now, he's in Africa, right? In, in Ethiopia. I call him. He answers the phone. I said, Reuben, it's me. You remember me, the preacher, the little, little guy that was sharing the gospel with you? He says, do I remember you? Brother, let me tell you what happened. I quit that Jack Daniels bottle company, and I quit my running around. I've joined a strong evangelical church, and I'm serving there now with them uh, at that church. And I found a Christian young lady, and we're going to get married here in two weeks, and I want you to come to Africa and come to the, remember that? Come to Africa, come to the wedding. I couldn't believe it. I, well, I couldn't go, but I, I thought to myself, whoa, well, I took that and read that to all the folks. There's the rest of the story. You know what happened? You know what occurred to me at that moment? I was used by God. I'd just been used by the Lord. I didn't know what was going to happen, who I was going to meet. I had no idea that an Ethiopian, I think about Ethiopian in the Bible we just read, I had no idea that I would meet an Ethiopian, okay, and that this guy uh, would be someone that God wanted to get a hold of. I didn't know anything about it, but God knew the whole story, friend. He used me. He used me because I wanted to be attentive to his voice. I heard him speak at that moment. This is what I'm talking about. It's not just stuff in the Bible that doesn't exist anymore, only for 2,000 years ago, not our time. No, we can be used by God. Give him praise and glory right now. We can use by the Lord right now, today. I want you to stand up for a minute. If you have your Bibles, take them. Hold them up with your right hand. Let me tell you something that we did here for many, many years at Motor Grove Baptist Church. You, some of you know what I'm going to do, right? All right? I want you to repeat after me, all right? Repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I have been taught the Word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, I hope it is, my heart is receptive. Today I have received the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God, and I'll never be the same. Now shout it, never, 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 in Jesus' name. Now remain standing, look this way, look this way, look this way. Here's an invitation, all right? Message is no good if there's not a follow-up for something for you to do. How many of you would love, if you've never had that experience, to be used by God like a tool, like a hammer, a pair of pliers or a screwdriver in, in his toolbox? How many of you would love to see that happen? Would love to see that happen. Now hold your hands up high. Don't be ashamed. Hold them up. Okay, I want you to come forward. I want to pray for you. Come down this altar right now. Come on down. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to follow up on this. Okay, and I'm going to give you a challenge right now. You raised your hand. This is what you want. You'd like to see it, right? Can you imagine why you're coming? Can you imagine, dear friend, how exciting Christianity, your faith could be? Living like that. Amen? Amen. Now, again, uh, please understand why you're coming. I I'm going to underscore this so there's no misunderstanding here. There are many, many times. Do you hear me? Can you all hear me there? There are many times, many times, where I have failed to listen, where I have disconnected. Even here, while pastoring this church, for 22 years, for the new folks that are here, 22 years I was here, 
And many times I miss God because I disconnected. And I want, you know what, you know what causes us to do that? The sin of pride, the sin of pride, our foolish pride, thinking somehow that I'm enough. I can take care of it. Thanks, God. I appreciate all you're doing. Let me take it from here. Dear friend, we're never, according to the principle that you just heard, we're never to say to God, I'll take it from here. God wants us to be dependent on Him. And in those moments when you're dependent, and you say in the beginning of your day, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to listen for you. God, I want to listen for you. Lord, I want, I want you to use me, God. Lord, I want you to use me. Just like Brother Ram was talking about, God, use me. Friend, he'll do it. He'll do it for you. This isn't, stuff isn't make-believe, dear friend. This is God's eternal, unshakable Word of God, just like we just got done saying in that Bible pledge. And if you believe it, God will do incredible things in and through your life. Would you bow your head right now? I'm going to pray for you. And you pray as I pray. Pray for your own walk. Pray for everything we just got done talking about here. Heavenly Father, I'm asking God, Lord, and I include myself, I include myself in this prayer. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we want to be used by you. Lord, take us like a tool in your toolbox. We may not know where we're going to go, Father, where you're going to lead, but like that old hymn said, wherever he leads, wherever you lead, I'll go. Father, I pray for these folks that they could experience even this week, even this week, even when we leave this auditorium here, we leave this place of worship to remember we are the temple of your Holy Spirit. You go with us. And Father, you're aiming, desiring to use us like you did the Ethiopian, or, or rather Philip in the story with the Ethiopian, like you did with me, like you want to do with each one of us in our own circles of life, day by day. God, use us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Now, with your heads bowed, folks, if there, by some chance right now, if there's someone here, and you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, in other words, friend, you're, you don't have an assurance that you're a bona fide, born-again child of God, that I want to pray for you right now, wherever you're at, okay? And if there's any uncertainty or doubt, I want you to say, Pastor Ron, pray for me. Just slip your hand up. No one's looking. Just slip your hand up. I'll pray. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I ask, dear God, open up their heart and mind of these folks that may not have that assurance of their salvation. Open their heart right now. You said in your word, no one can come to you unless your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit draws them. Draw them right now, Lord Jesus. Friend, if that's where you're at, and you raise your hand, I'm gonna pray, and you just pray a prayer like this. Just say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I'm lost without you. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come in today. Come in to stay. I surrender to you as Lord of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Would you give God praise? Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Amen. Now, what I'll do, I'll, I'll hang out here, and after the close of the service, uh, if you pray to prayer for salvation, I know uh, Drew's here, one of the staff, Drew, Co of course, Cody may be tied, but Drew, where's Drew at? Oh, oh there you are, okay. Drew and I, uh, others, uh, maybe some of the deacons will be here, we'd be happy to talk to you about your commitment to Christ. Don't leave this place. If you just prayed, you need to nail that down, make it public, okay? And I will help you do that, friend. And this is a good place for you to grow. There's a lot of love in this room. I feel a lot of love in this room. Do you feel a lot of love in this room? A lot of joy in this room? Church family, you've got a great commission. Don't be derailed. Don't let Satan derail you on any sidetrack issue. Make the main thing, the main thing. Continue in the main thing. Be witnesses for God. And I guarantee you, if you follow this principle of abiding, God will use you. There will be those that he'll lead you to that need Jesus. And then you bring them into the fold of this church family where they can grow in their faith and get to know, know the Lord better. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud. I'm thankful for you. I love you. It was so cool at Horace Neal this morning. Do you know the first Sunday I came, we had no staff here. And it was Horace Neely that was up here doing the welcome. I asked her, I said, Horace, I said, would you do the announcements, the welcome, and all that stuff for me? Remember, Kathy, we had nobody. Remember that? We had nobody, nobody else here, just me. And uh, Horace got up, and it was like old times when I saw Horace up there. It was like a deja vu, you know, 26 years ago. <laughs> I, I was 45, and Horace neither was 49. We're, we're young. Right <laughs> I'll be a... I'm 71 now. I'll be 72 in November this year. And, you know, and I'll tell you, time goes by so fast before you know it. Make, hey, listen, make the best of every opportunity you got. Because you may not be here tomorrow, friend. All right? The Lord knows the days of our life. Don't you miss the opportunity to share Jesus. Will you do that? Amen. All right. Let's do a closing. Can we do some, a closing song together here? Brother, right up here together. you, Lord, so your mercy never fails me, it's all my days, I've been held in your hands, from the moment that I wake up, until I lay my head, I will see of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I have made I will see of the goodness God. Your goodness is running after your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my heart made down, I surrender now, I can't do it.
Jim Simmons. Where is Jim Simmons? There he is, okay. Y'all know Jim is the point man now. I want you to mark your calendars. Mark your calendars. June 3rd, Saturday morning, June 3rd, in downtown Pensacola, we're going to have a Jesus march. I mean, like we did, we're going to have a Jesus march for him. I mean, Christians of all denominational stripes and, and tones are going to come out and we're going to lift up Christ in downtown Pensacola. Jim is your coordinator here uh, to pull a team together. Man, if all of you can make it, join us. We'll be with the Pentecostal brothers, the born-again Methodist brothers. I mean, all different tribes coming together, different cultures. It's going to be a great opportunity. We're going to have several uh, people that are councilmen. Those uh, uh, officials in City Hall will be out there, the police chief, uh, as they were last year. But come, come, come out strong. Let's have a witness in downtown Pensacola. Will you do it? Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you all. Let's close in prayer. Jim, close the word of prayer. Lord God, we come to you today just thanking you for the message that you gave us today. Lord, we love you so much, and we just ask that you bless each and every one here. Rain down your mercy and grace upon them, Lord. Let them go out and tell people about you. Give them boldness, Lord. Give them the words to say. I thank you for all that you've done and all you're going to do in our lives. And I ask a blessing upon each and every one here. In your holy and precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.